What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sporthouse. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. We don't have to look too far to go ahead and get into our first topic, being that, being that the University of South Carolina did defeat the Georgia Bulldogs with the final score of 20-17, to and this game went to second overtime. This is a huge win for the program, biggest win under the Muschamp era thus far. I wouldn't be surprised to see in the football operations building a picture of this game, probably Israel returning one of the interceptions. I would say that goes up within the next year, just so that obviously when he's walking off so that he can see it, it looks great for recruits. And they always, you always want to capture the moment of the best plays of the pro, in program history. So when recruits walk around, they're like, oh, that's a crazy photo. They imagine it being themselves. They commit to your school and, you know, the rest is history. Now, I did some research. If you're going to talk about this game, you got to talk about Israel Ukwamu, who had the three interceptions. I did some research on him. He's 6'4", 205 pounds. He's originally from Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Monk's Corner, however you say it. Um, he moved to Louisiana prior to his senior year, so he's a homegrown kid. He went to Louisiana, so all of his bio and things like that say Louisiana, but really he's from South Carolina. Probably, he probably, if I had to guess, he probably liked South Carolina and then moved there. So whenever he got the scholarship offer, he's like, I want to come back to where I was raised at for the better part of my life. He got the Walter Kemp Defensive Player of the Week. But what he did in this game with a lot of those kids catches being off of tips, uh, tip passes, that's exactly why most defensive coordinator or defensive backs coaches do tip drills throughout practice. So that therefore, whenever it's a game-like situation, the defensive backs already know what to do with it because they practice it hundreds of thousands of times. This is why they say practice how you, you practice how you play, you know, lock in and practice and d- zone in on each drill. Because when you get into a game-type situation, you want to be able to result back to your training, and that's what you do naturally. So kudos to him for that. Also, his, pers- his first pick six of his career. Where he took it back for a touchdown. Everybody who's been posting, reposting the Gamecocks football thing on Twitter, there's a photo of that. So you can go do the research on that if you want to. So big game for him. Just highlight the overall good game for the defense as well. The defensive line was able to get a lot of pressure. The linebackers were filling the holes pretty well. Just a good game for the Carolina defense. This is the type of defensive performance you expect to see under a Muschamp or a T. Robs D or a Travis Tavares, Robert, Travis Robinson, however you say defense coordinator name. We call him T. Rob. This is the type of performance you expect to see under their de- behind their defense, and just a really good showing. Now on the under like the negative side of things though Helensky did get hurt he couldn't even put really pressure on the knee it seemed like so he sat out so the carry on the joiner came in the report ends up that he has a sprained knee Muschamp was quick to say he expects him to play next week I would be a little bit hesitant on that being the fact that, like I said he couldn't hardly walk on it and we're saying now and as Muschamp to quote Muschamp he said he couldn't really defend himself so between now and next Saturday, he's going to go from not being able to walk really to being able to be full goal and play an SEC game against one of the top defenses in the country, barring they didn't play very well against LSU. But LSU's also a really good offense. So I think that was a little quick to say, but I'm sure they got an MRI, things of that nature. He'll probably, I would say he probably wouldn't practice on Monday or Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday. But I'm I'm sure if there's a way, Muschamp's going to make sure he plays in this game. And so we're going to see what happens. We'll watch the reports for that. And by next, obviously, next Saturday around noon, we'll know what's happening. One thing about this game I noticed, and I know every, all USC fans are super excited, but they kind of tried to give that game away. But Georgia kept pushing back and be like, no, y'all have it. And then USC's like, no, y'all have it. And they did that. And obviously, it got too late. And USC ends up winning this game. It's kind of insane because if you look at the stats of this game, there's no way in the world you think USC won. They didn't have a 100-yard rusher. They only had one running back that ran for over 50 yards, and that was Rico Dowdle, who had 21 carries for 79 yards. That's 3.8 averages, 3.8 yards per carry. 
Haleski went 15 for 20 for 116 yards, and one of those passes went to West for to Brian Edwards on a 46 yards. So really, besides that, he only threw for like 70 yards. Uh, Dekayon Joyner, who came in once he got hurt, went six for 12 for 39 yards, which is not very much. There was not a hundred yard receiver. Deshaun Smith only had five, five catches for 14 yards. That is, they really gonna have next season. I mean, obviously this season, but really next season they're gonna have to work to get him the ball more because he's one of the better receivers in the SEC. Um, meanwhile, Georgia, Jake Fromm with 28 for 51 for 295 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions, which is, explains a lot. But they had a 100-yard rusher. They had a receiver, George Pickens, number one, who went seven receptions for 98 yards, which is almost 100 yards. So you would think that Georgia won this game, but but one of the biggest stats you can't overlook is those three interceptions uh, from Jake Fromm to Israel, and that really can change the whole game. Turnovers are the best. The Turnovers are the easiest route to a loss. And as you can see, that's what happened. You hate to be the kicker for Georgia. You could tell after that last missed kick that he knew. It was like, oh, my gosh. And his teammates, you know, sometimes they, like, shake hands with the kicker. Like, oh, man, it's good. They knew, too. Like, after that last missed kick, it was like, oh, gosh, this, this one might be it. You hate to be him, especially in the SEC. It's not fun to lose games like this, especially when it could potentially knock you out of the college football playoff because the fans are not necessarily the nicest people. But we wish them the best of luck moving forward. USC will play Florida next week in back in Williams-Brice Stadium, and I'm sure the fan base will be super excited for this game after because they even met the team back at the football operations building after the win, so they're super stoked to get this thing going. I'm sure Willie, uh, Willie B. will be rocking. We're going to move out to the Midwest where the Red River rivalry took place. The game did for a little bit back history. The game is in Dallas, Texas at a neutral site because obviously Oklahoma plays in Norman. Uh, Texas plays in Austin. So this is a neutral site in Dallas, Texas. They have a fair going on. So it's kind of like our South Carolina State Fair, but obviously a much bigger deal because there's a lot more people there. It's like a whole experience, you know, the whole food and games and rides and stuff that you do at the fair. But to the football aspect, I felt like Oklahoma was the better team the whole entire game. Jalen Hurts had an interception, a fumble in the first half that kind of kept Oklahoma, I mean, that kept Texas in the ball game. But I didn't feel like from the jump that this was Oklahoma's game. They're just at a different level right now. I kept trying to tell people about Kenneth Murray Jr., who's number nine, your huge linebacker. He is the truth. I'm pretty sure he'll have, he will win the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year award. And if he doesn't, I'd be surprised. I knew he was elite coming to the season. He is not disappointed whatsoever. Also, C.D. Lamb really showed that he's the number one receiver in the country. He had 10 receptions for 170 yards, 171 yards and three touchdowns. But even that stat line, while it's amazing, doesn't doesn't do enough justice to show how great of a receiver he was in this game. Twice he had four guys around him. He still found his way to the end zone. He has what we like to say a nose for the end zone. And as a matter of fact, he has had 10 touchdowns this season so far. He was good with Hollywood Brown, but he is absolutely who was the other receiver who ended up going in the first round to the Ravens. But now he's just elite because he's doing it with a lot of other good receivers, but he's like the great one of the bunch. Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts is just an excellent quarterback. He is really to fall along with the whole Baker and then the Kyler Murray situation, he is actually doing a, a magnificent job. He knows when to run. He knows when to uh, throw. And he can cut like a running back on a dime. So a lot of times he does like the drag cut and he can make guys miss. And he's a big dude himself. So just a really great Oklahoma football team right now. Oklahoma is at the standard that Texas is hoping to try to get back to. I just think they're, uh, Texas is a couple years away. They're officially knocked out of they're not going to play in the college football playoff 
at this point because they've already lost two games, even though they are two of the probably the better losses of any team in the country, being one was the LSU and obviously one was the Oklahoma. But so at this point, Texas could just try to play spoiler alert, make sure they get to the Big 12 championship game, and hopefully they can knock off. Hopefully they want to be able to knock off Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. I'm rooting for Oklahoma, so I do not want to see this happen. But at this point, that's what those fans can kind of look forward to. That's the, And then maybe go play in a New Year's Six game, just not going to be in the college football playoff, obviously. But Jalen Hurts, just for some stat lines, he went 16 for 28 for 235 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. He played really well, but the stat line didn't do him justice. He played very well. Uh, a very good game. He rushed for seven. He had 17. He's a leading rusher. He had 17 carries for 131 yards and one touchdown. So, like I said, just a great overall performance. Meanwhile, Sam Ellinger for the quarterback for the Texas Longhorns with 26 for 38 for 210 yards. So, another great Red River rivalry. And this one goes to Oklahoma. So, boomer sooner to that one. But we're going to take it back to the south and Baton Rouge where LSU played Florida. This is This was... I hate that this was not the 8 o'clock ABC game, but it was 8 o'clock on ESPN. So, it was, it's just a difference, sometimes different between the coverage. I'm, I noticed that, well, the ABC games, they do a little bit better job as far as, like, the, the motivational videos for ESPN. Maybe it's a different crew. That's just my detail, some things I noticed. But anyway, LSU won this game with the final score of 28-42. to 42. This game was, Florida was putting up a lot more points than I was expecting. At, especially at the beginning, they were going like score for score with LSU, and I was not expecting that. Uh, LSU defense hasn't been as strong this year, but n- nonetheless, especially at LSU, I was not expecting Florida to come out with a backup quarterback, but they were able to do it. Um, Florida was a top defense. You just couldn't tell in this game because Joe Burrow was absolutely lighting them up. He went 21 for 24 for 293 yards and three touchdowns. That means he only had three incompletions. So, pretty much, however, they scouted this game up. It almost went perfectly to like that for LSU's offense. That offensive coordinator has really come in, done a good job for the Tigers. This is like one of the very few times you actually come to LSU games to watch football. I mean, not to watch football. You've always watched football. But you come to their games to watch the offenses play. The defense, yeah, and you know, they have the Grant Del Pitt guy. But you come to LSU at this point to watch them light it up. They have a really good wide receiver duo at LSU. One of the better duos in the country with Jamar Chase, who went 7 for 126. Seven yards and two touchdowns. He's number one and two. Justin Jefferson, who went ten, who had ten receptions for 123 yards and one touchdown. So the best wide receiver duo in the country. Now, if you're looking for a trio, you go to Alabama. They have those three guys that they it just make plays happen. Can't wait to this LSU Alabama game that's going to be coming up here in the next month or so. But tough loss for Florida. Understandable though. Like, if you're going to lose the game, you lose on the road in Death Valley where you're highly competitive. I can see that. At this point, I think it's a three-way, way, a three-way race for the SEC East crown between Missouri, Florida, and Georgia. Missouri's still working to get that bowl ban removed from their programs, and so their appeal is under review. So if that doesn't get approved, they won't be in the competition at all. But Kelly Bryant's doing a great job. After they had that opening week, I think it was, lost to Wyoming, they haven't had too many more problems since then. Kelly played that game, I think, in a knee brace, a barn injury he had last week. But now for some speculation for moving forward in the season, I think it's a literally a flip of a coin between who wins that game uh, between Georgia and Florida. That game will be in Jacksonville in, on November 2nd. And that most likely that will be the team. The winner of that game will go play in the SEC East Championship game. 
a lot of people are thinking right now Florida is playing much better than Georgia, and they kind of are, but you really can never tell in a rivalry game like that. So I'm going to hold off on a prediction for that one. We'll see how that one plays itself out. We'll stay in the South where Clemson played Florida State. The final score of that game was 14-45. to Nothing really talk about in that game. Clemson's going to dominate for the rest of the season until they play. Maybe USC might give them a little bit of competition, but not an ACC championship, probably the playoff. But so I like to like think back to the old Florida State rivalry, Clemson games. You had the Jameis Winston come to Death Valley and destroying the Clemson Tigers. out was Sammy Watkins' uh, Clemson team. You, you had the Derwin James playing this series, the Jalen Ramseys, Deshaun Watsons. Like those were the days when this rivalry was great, even the Deion Sanders. But now it's just kind of like, oh, what Clemson steamrolls. Florida State's going to have to figure this thing out. I'm hoping, like I said, I think I, only, I think I said on this podcast earlier in the year, it'd be nice if they could get Shiloh, not Shiloh, Shador Sanders to come to Florida State and probably a new head coach to come with him. And they kind of revamp that Florida State swag and kind of get it back going. You just need a, like a marquee quarterback, kind of how like Clemson had Deshaun to kind of push that envelope. They'd be nice if they could get uh, Deion Sanders' son to do the same thing at Florida State because for right now it's just it's kind of embarrassing right now to be a Seminole. So we're going to move forward to the NFL where the Browns did lose to the Seattle Seahawks with a final score of 32-28. to 28. Uh I keep saying this, and I hope people are out here starting to listen to me. If you do, if you like money, never bet against Russell Wilson and his Seahawks. Those guys are official. He's officially an MVP candidate and probably the runaway right now, being that Patrick Mahomes is losing. Not the runaway, but being that Patrick Mahomes has lost two games with the Chiefs back to back. It's really looking like Russell Wilson. He's definitely the most valuable player, but <clears throat> sometimes that award goes to for other reasons too. Sometimes it's not just the most valuable player, but he's extremely valuable to that franchise. The Browns actually had a 20 to 6 lead, but <clears throat> just like in the Georgia South Carolina game, Baker had three interceptions and dumped that interceptions. Turnover column in general will really cost you. Odell, on, on the bright note, Odell went had six foot catches for 101 yards. You know, I think you get paid 18, somewhere between 17 and 19 million. So you always would like as a as a team owner to at least get 100 yards from your receiver that you're paying 19 million dollars. I think that's reasonable. And yep, so I like the Browns a lot, but we're just not doing it. We're two and four. It's it's not looking too good. Um, they have a bye week. Hopefully, we will be able to regroup and make something happen moving forward. But right now, for the Browns, it's just not. It's looking like another year, and it's crazy because it's, we're so talented. But we just have not been able to push that envelope. But speaking of talented teams that are not able to push the envelope, the Cowboys did lose again with a final score of 22-24 to to the New York Jets. This is the Jets' first win this year. So, Sam Darnold is back, and so they had the teams, I guess, super excited. Also, the Jets picked up Vincent Smith, who was the guy who went to Westwood High School. Then he went to Limestone. Yeah, so the Jets picked him up off of the Houston practice squad. So he's out there in New York now. But, yeah, this is three straight losses for the Cowboys after a 3-0 and start. So it's a little bit unsettling for their fans. But at this point, they should be used to it. You know, this is how the Cowboys kind of work. That's why people pick, pick on the Cowboys so much. They're going to have to get this thing going. They have Philly coming this week. They have Philly coming up this Sunday. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a Sunday night football game. And Phillies has been destroyed by the in- injury bug this season. Again, Ronald Darby's out. Daniel Sproles is out. Darren Sproles was out. Deshaun Jackson, Avante Maddox. They're hoping that Deshaun Jackson is back for the Cowboys game next week. Um, but obviously, they lost this week. Like I said, final score, 38-20 to the Vikings. 
Stephon Diggs for the Vikings has seven catches, 167 yards, and three touchdowns after rumors of wanting to be traded. And when he said there's truth to all rumors, that was a very, um, I don't want to use the word interesting, that was a very standoffish response. I don't think I've, I don't know if standoffish is the word there. But the response of your star, one of your star players to say something like that, I'm sure ownership probably pulled him to the office like, dude, like, really? Like, this is your answer? You're basically like, kind of verifying for the media? If you're not verifying what they're saying, you're giving them the reason to have more optimism, which creates more headlines. So I'm sure they didn't appreciate that. But they got the ball to them. I don't know if him and Kirk Cousins are necessarily the best of buddies these days. But I think... Um, I think Kirk Cousins got the member. He needs to get the ball to Stephon Diggs as much as possible. And when he does, they win. So we'll move forward. I'm pretty sure the Vikings are now 4-2 and two this season, and so they are turning. Uh, last but not least, one of the best topics of the day, the Texans did defeat the Chiefs with the final score of the 31-24. to The Texans were down this game 3-17 to in the second quarter, but obviously turned around and got the win. Deshaun Watson has done it again. Well, before I get on Deshaun Watson, it's one of my favorite topics. We want to talk about those. The Chiefs defense are going to have to do something different. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Like, I love the amount of time that they're able to – I mean, I love the amount of points they're able to score, but they've got to be able to stop somebody on defense. Otherwise, that will forever be like the thorn in their side. But Deshaun Watson just making just making stuff happen. His stat line looked like uh, 34. He had 30 – he went 30-42. 280 yards, one touchdown. The two interceptions were kind of bad. Patrick McCombs' interception was kind of bad too. But so, yeah, so the interception was kind of like a uh, thing. But besides that, Deshaun played really well. He really can just make stuff happen. He's also another very valuable guy to his team. It's crazy that him, Mitch Trambis, Deshaun, Mitch Trambis, Mitch Trambisky, Patrick Mahomes were all taken in the same draft, all in the first round. And I think people think have this thing about Patrick McCombs where he's like that much better than Deshaun. They're just very different. It really just goes to show you as playing a quarterback in the NFL, receiver, whatever, just be you and you're different enough, but you can still be very successful. And there's not just one way of doing things. You know, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, not Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson is a little bit more dancer around the pocket, a little bit almost like a receiver playing quarterback with highly accurate and more of a dual threat type of guy. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes is more of the old baseball player, throws with all the angles, and he just kind of fits the ball in tough places. And he's he his persona kind of reminds you more of a baseball player just go like I said just go show you there's different ways of doing it just be 100% you and the rest of the world slash league will kind of figure it out around you Patrick McCone didn't have, have a bag in necessarily he went 19 for 35 for 273 yards and three touchdowns one interception it's just a kind of a case where it's like two losses in a row for Kansas City it's like, what's going on here? We need to get this thing fixed. Hopefully, they'll be able to get that defense fixed up. They might, like I said, I'm pretty sure they would love to have Jalen Ramsey, but I don't think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to let him go. So, we're going to move forward on that one, and that's all we have uh, for this week in sports. I'm sure next week going to be a lot more and more exciting games. I'm already looking forward to that South Carolina-Tennessee game, and we'll see what else is on the radar. Obviously, Ohio State will be back to playing next week, too. But, yeah, like I said, that's it for this edition of Matt's Sport House. Uh, I did finally get that Twitter up and running. So, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, hit me on Twitter at Matt, literally. It's Matt's, M-A-T-T-S, Sport House, 
you know, the at symbol at the beginning. So hit me on that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or any topics you want to talk about or opinions. And uh, thanks for listening.